All right, we all feeling good? You doing okay, church? Love y'all. Hey, if it's your first time, my name is Michael. I'm the lead pastor here, and on behalf of all of our staff and team, my wife Amanda, who was just leading you in worship a minute ago, standing right over here, we are so thrilled that you're here. And those of you who are watching online, we're glad to have you joining us as well. Would y'all help me just get as loud as you can, say hello to all of our first-time guests, as well as anybody watching online. And I know you heard it in church news, but I gotta remind you because inevitably somebody's gonna show up at 11.30 next week. It's just gonna happen. All right, so I gotta say it. We gotta say it a whole bunch just to, so that we know we did our very best. Next weekend, we do go to our two-service pre-pandemic schedule, 8.30. Come on, everybody say 8.30 and 10. Say 10. All right, that's, that's you. That's your, you're that crew. But if you ever find yourself attending the 11.30, just know that it won't be here next weekend, all right? And we really did this uh, to preserve the health of our dream team who are serving more people, I'll talk about that in a second, um, with less people post-pandemic. Uh, not, not all of that dream team is able to re-engage yet or hasn't re-engaged yet for, for whatever reason. And so we don't wanna kill them. We wanna, we wanna, we wanna be healthy, all right? So uh, I do wanna say to you though, church and, and dream team, I don't normally address you from the stage, but I want to ask you to lean into uh, the next eight weeks or so here as a, as a church family, eight, nine weeks, uh, whatever it is that we have as a church family. And, and traditionally for us as a church, um, we don't always see our largest attendance during this season, although we have some interesting things happening there right now. But we, we see incredible numbers of people make decisions to follow Jesus. And, um, and so especially we got, the next two weeks, we'll be doing all that matters. We'll be talking about uh, some of the things that God has done in our church over the last year and why we do what we do. Um, but then we get into the At The Movie series, which you have two of these little invite cards on each seat in the room. There's more available in the lobby if you want them. And I wanna ask you to take these. Use them as a tool to invite somebody to church during At The Movies. One thing we see this time of year is more people make decisions to follow Jesus than any other time of year for us as a church. I don't fully understand it, but it's just how it happens, all right? Um, in fact, I talked to somebody who's now leading one of our teams at True Life in the lobby last weekend, and he said, I'm just so excited for this time of year because last year at, at the movies, that's when my family found this church, and we felt like we had found a place where we can belong. And, uh, and so it's just a great time to invite friends and, and people who are in your life who are not connected to a local church. Uh, it's a, it's, we make it easy on you. You can bribe them with free, prop, free popcorn and soda, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, just come get... If you don't like anything else, you'll at least have gotten free food. What's wrong with that, right? Um, so, so use these cards as a tool, as a, as a resource to help you. Just remember to invite some friends and family. And then our Christmas services uh, will be, you know, right behind that. And right now we're planning for four Christmas services. There's a chance we'll add a fifth. We'll be watching our numbers and how we're trending here uh, through the month of November. And um, so there's a possibility we'll add that fifth one in there if we need it. But I just want to ask you, Dream Team and church family, lean in. If you're going through life track right now, stay committed, stay locked in uh, so that you can help us win people to Jesus. And I want to be clear on this. I, I, I'm, I'm going to take some time next year actually and talk about this because I think I have taught this to you wrong in the past. I mentioned it during our, our uh, message a few weeks ago on processing pain. And, and I've kind of told you, like, just serve people. Get your eyes off of yourself. Get your eyes on other people, and that'll make everything better. And that's actually not correct. I, in fact, I apologize to you in that message for, for teaching that way to you. And so what happens is we accidentally fall into the mindset of we're saved to serve. 
That's not right. You're saved because Jesus served, right? He, he did something. For, he went to the cross. For he said the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve. And absolutely we want to follow his example. But you're saved because God loves you, not because he wants you to do a bunch of stuff. You all with me? All right. So, But what he does is when we come into relationship with him, he invites us to participate in the family business. Right? It's pretty cool. So it's not that you have to, it's that you get to. And so we get to. We get to lean into this season. And if you feel like you'd be doing something out of compulsion or obligation, I don't want you to do it. But if you're fired up about our Heavenly Father's business and you want to grow the family, like, let's lean in. Let's go for it. Y'all with me? Amen? All right? Like, I think that's the, the right, theologically correct, healthy way. And if you can't be fired up about the family business, then it's not the right season for you to try to do that. You need to work out whatever it is God needs to take you through before you lean into that. We all good on that? We on the same page? All right, so new service schedule at the movies right around the corner. We also have Christmas Shop coming up, which is a, a serving opportunity December 11th. A few times a year, I try to get the whole church to stop for a second, focus on our community, think about the needs of people. I have some cool stories from Christmas Shop over the last couple of years that I'll share with you during the All That Matters series. But you can go to truelife.church forward slash serve team uh, there's a whole bunch of opportunities to, to serve that day, and you can kind of find the thing that fits your niche. So if you're more introverted and you'd rather be behind the scenes, there's opportunities for you. If you want to be right there with people, getting to know them and trading phone numbers, there's opportunities for you. So wherever, whatever you're wired for, there's opportunities that day, and um, we're going to serve more families than we ever have before, and we work with partners in, the community to in our community to identify families who uh, could just use a hand and aren't gonna have that great of a Christmas this year without some help. And we're gonna make sure that on behalf of Jesus, they have a fantastic Christmas and that there's gifts around the tree and that there's kids smiling and having a good time. Come on, y'all with me? No strings attached because Jesus went to the cross, no strings attached for us, amen? It's gonna be fantastic. And if you've not served at Christmas shop before, I'm just telling you, you want to, and you'll probably need some tissues in your pocket because at some point you'll cry at some point, you'll be in awe of what God is doing and how he's using our spiritual family, and uh, I want you to be a part of that. And then one last thing, I just want to remind you, and I won't talk about this again for a while, um, December 19th will be a Vision Sunday where we talk about 2022 and where we think God is taking us in the new year. It's our last service together before all of our Christmas services, and that day will be an opportunity for you to give in what we call our legacy offering. Uh, legacy offering is where we go anytime we have something outside of our normal operations budget that we need to get done. Uh, so that could be working with a missions partner, that could be responding to a natural disaster, uh, that could be like something uh, terrible, broke, something expensive in the church, and we didn't have it in our operating budget. So uh, most of those funds will go to missions and outreach, um, and, and we also use it to make improvements here if we, if we need to. So uh, here's all I'm asking you to do. It's the only special offering we ever take, and I won't really talk to you about it the day of, because I don't want it to be a compulsive manipulation, emotional thing. I never ask you for money. I just want you to go ask God if you're supposed to participate. And if he says yes, then you just do whatever he tells you to do. Fair? All right, so that's the plan for Legacy Offering. That'll be December 19th. I'm telling you about it now, so you can ask God about it now, and you can plan and prepare. It's gonna be, it's gonna be special. Okay, it's our last Sunday of the Signature of God. We've got a theme passage. Oh, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. This actually hangs over the mirror in my kids' bathroom in our house because we want them to always remember who they are. And it just says, for we are God's what? Masterpiece, masterpiece. Like, you're not a oops. Did you know that? Like, 
on the, I, I don't know why I picture it this way, but I picture like heaven and, and God creating people and the you know, little babies before the stork grabs them and brings them down. I picture all the babies on a conveyor belt and like God's inspecting them before they go to, and I, like, like God never looks at one and is like, oh, we need to do a warranty check on this. Like, 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 like there's no oops. Come on, y'all, there's no oops. You're right? You can look at the person next to you and tell them you're not a oops. You're not a oops. Although some of you are, were questioning that about that person that you are sitting next to. You are his masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago, long ago. What does he, what does he plan for us? What does he wanna, what, what is the signature he wants to put on our lives? And that's what we've been talking about in this series. When we talked about week one, he wants to bring transformation. Week two, we talked about freedom. Last week we talked about a biblical theology of increase, that God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. We talked about what the more is for. And now, with limited time, because we had that special moment, I've gotta move really quick and talk to you about this final thing this weekend um, that, uh, that honestly we probably don't talk about enough. And one of the reasons we don't is because not very many people know how to talk about it without it getting weird, all right? And so the, the final thing that I think God wants to place in your life is just the power of God. Come on, everybody say power. Power. Yeah, you know, see, some of you are all like, oh, I don't know. Come on, just say power. Yeah, power. He, God wants to put his power at work in your life. Now, here's the problem with teaching about power in church. Traditionally, there's really only two ways you teach about power, all right? Um, one is you get like super hillbilly mountain preacher-ish, and, and then you gotta be like, the power of God, duh. You know, like, I grew up in a church where you add an extra vowel to the word God. It's not God, it's God, duh. Right, anybody else grow up around that, right? Like, so we, we have to have the power of God, duh. And I wanna be like, hey, there's no A on the end of that. It's a hard stop at the letter D. This was funnier in my head than your response to it. It's just God. Not God, duh, just God. So we tend to get either that way with the power of God or we get like real like, the power of God. And we get, like we make stuff weird that doesn't need to be weird. Can I hear an amen, somebody? And I, you know, so like there's enough weird today, it's Halloween, like how often does church fall on Halloween? Good job coming to church on Halloween, by the way. I think like you got it right, right? I think people are like, do you wanna go today? Cause it's gonna be a late night trick or treating with the kids. And then the other one's like, yeah, but we need to make sure that everybody knows we're team Jesus. Like, so like, let's go, let's go, let's go to church. And people always have questions like, should, what, how should we participate trick or treating? I'll just tell you, I did a whole message on spiritual warfare at the beginning of October in our first Wednesday. Go listen to that if you want to. Uh, my family and I will be out in the neighborhood getting free stuff. I'll just tell you that tonight. Um, in fact, I've been praying and fasting that lots of families in our neighborhood have bought Reese's peanut butter cups, you know? And um, I'm sorry, peanut allergy folks. I know I just triggered you, but I like me some Reese's, all right? So um, don't shake my hand for a few weeks after Halloween, all right? Um, I just, I do. And so we'll be out there. In fact. Uh, in church history, the whole concept that we now call trick-or-treating actually began with Christians. I don't know if you know that. So, um, but we do talk to our kids about all the other stuff that now happens around Halloween. So that's what, 
in the, in the Christian tradition, in the Catholic tradition, there is a day to honor the dead and to think about the dead. And of course, what happens anytime you secularize something? Well, you, you start talking about the dead and what does it turn into? Ghosts and goblins and, and, and fear and scary stuff. And so we don't celebrate fear in our house. We don't do that. Uh, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. That's what the Bible says. So we don't celebrate fear, but we do celebrate candy. All right, so um, we talk to our kids about it and tell them what the Bible says, and then we go enjoy the sugar. All right, so you, you gotta, here's my deal. You should talk to Jesus about this. Like, you should just ask God to make it clear to you what is right for your family. And we talked about in the freedom message, you might have different convictions than me, and you should follow whatever convictions God puts in your heart. Amen, everybody? All right, so let's talk about the power of God, and I'm going to try to not be preachy, because I want to give you theology. In fact, there's something special happening right now in our church that, if I'm honest with you, I don't fully understand. Like, I don't, I'd love to point to, like, some great leadership thing or some method or system that we've come up with, but I don't fully understand it. I read some statistics that came out this week that says about 22% of churchgoers since the pandemic started. And a churchgoer is not a church member. A churchgoer is anyone who would say, yeah, I, I, I make sure that I go um, every couple months or even as little as once every six months is what's categorized as a churchgoer. So people who would go a couple times a year or more about 22% of those said during the pandemic, I quit going at all. I'm not watching online. I'm not attending in person. And so when I talk to my friends, pastors from around the country, different churches, even large ministries, all, pretty much all of them are, are leading congregations that are smaller than they were pre-pandemic. And I'm not bragging on us because I don't understand this, but that is not our reality. Our church is up over 35% year over year. In fact, if you take away Christmas and Easter, last weekend was the largest weekend we've ever had as a church. 466 people worshiped together. We had people make decisions to follow Jesus, and we baptized 11 people. And I mean, it's just a beautiful weekend. And here's where I'm at. I'm just trying to make sure we don't mess it up. Because I don't really get it, to be honest with you. I think there's one thing that we've done over the last year. We've gotten hungry for the presence of God. We've gotten sincere in our pursuit of him. And, and um, we're okay with all the lights and the polish and all that kind of stuff, but to me, none of that matters if we don't have Jesus, if we don't have the anointing. And um, so I think there's something to that. I think people realize they need the power of God in their lives. I think people realize it. And so I'm going to try, even though I am a preacher, I'm going to try to keep it even keel because I want to give you some theology. In fact, one of the reasons people gave for walking away from church is they felt like their churches were hyper uh, hooked up, uh, hooked on being attractional without giving them any theology or any equipping. And um, so I think that's the other thing that has kind of happened this year. We've given you more theology than we ever have before as a church. First Wednesdays have been a huge piece of that. So I'm gonna spend most of the time this morning just giving you scripture. Just, I wanna make the case this morning that the Bible is clear that you have the power of God available to you right now. Right now, and I do too. All right, so let's check it out. Let's, in a super not weird, spooky way, let's just try to make the case, or I'm gonna try to make the case 
that the power of God is available to you. All right, let's start with Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. And when he had called, that's Jesus, when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them, everybody say it. Like, okay, now here's the deal. I'm, I'm going to try to not be real preachy, but you can't say the word power like power. I mean, that just doesn't work, right? Okay, so let's try this one more time, all right? Uh, he called his 12 disciples to him, and he gave them power. Yeah, there you go. That's how you say the word power, all right? Over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness, that sounds awesome, and all kinds of disease. How many would like some of that? I, I would. That sounds fantastic. He, he gave the disciples power. Okay, let's fast forward. Acts 1.8. We're not the original disciples. Is that for us? I think so. Acts 1.8. You will receive power. Now see, you let it trail off a little. All right? And so I'm just, the more I have to teach on how to say power, the longer this is all going to take. All right? But you will receive Power, there you go, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so I think oftentimes in the church we focus on this part, like yeah, we're going to go be witnesses, but we forget that to do this effectively we need this, right? Like you're not going to be able to do this without this. 1 Corinthians 2, 3, Paul says, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. So Paul, Paul's writing to the church at Corinth where he shows up as a missionary, as an evangelist, and he plants the church. And he says, hey guys, when I showed up to try to win you to Jesus, I was freaked out. I was, in fact, I didn't feel like I had all the necessary tools. The reason, Paul didn't have a lighting system. Paul didn't have Carlos on keys. He didn't have Kevin on guitar. He, he didn't have coffee in the lobby. Paul's just like, I got nothing. He said, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but I did have one thing. I came to you with a demonstration of the Spirit's what? Y'all are just starting to pick it up now, all right? So that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, Paul's like, I don't need you just to be attached to this whole, like, go to church every week thing. I don't need you just attached to, like, some self-help books or, you know, that God's going to fix everything. No, no, no. He said, look, I, I, I don't have a bunch of false promises, a bunch of false hope for you. I need your faith to be in God's power. And so that's what I came, and I just want to say to you, like, we, as a church, as a spiritual leader, but we need to do a better job of creating moments just like we had this morning in worship for you to experience God's power. Not in a weird, spooky way. We don't need that. But just moments for you to have an authentic connection with Jesus and to experience his power. That's what Paul did. I think Paul realized, I ain't got nothing better to offer you. I can't change your life. I can't heal your marriage. I can't help you break free from an addiction, but if I can get you in the presence of God, anything can happen. Anything's possible. Here's another one, Ephesians 1, 17. This, by the way, is our vision message, our vision scripture as a church. So when you see on the wall out there, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference, all of those are contained in this passage right here. 
Paul says to the church in Ephesus, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him. We want you to know God better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That's freedom. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. That's your purpose. The riches of his glorious inheritance is in his holy people. That's making a difference. Now it's not just about me. Now I'm with a spiritual family and we're, we're doing something together. And Paul says, maybe we need to add a fifth one to the vision statement. And his incomparably great, come on, one last time, power for us who believe. And that's the only condition that you believe. That there, there is this power that's available to you. What power, Michael? I'm so glad you asked, because Paul continues. He says, that power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. What? Did you, what? Jesus went on the cross, he died. He was dead, y'all. He is, it is a dead body. He goes into the tomb, he's there for three days, and if you're new to the Christian theology, let me just tell you one of the foundational things that we believe. He is not in that tomb. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father right now, interceding on your and my behalf. Jesus is alive. I'm repeating it because I'm giving you the opportunity to respond like you ought to. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. I know that's the Easter message, not the Halloween message. But he's alive. He's alive. And that power that reanimated his dead body is available to you and me. That's what the Bible, I'm not saying it, the Bible says it. I don't know how all that works. I just know the Bible says it. And I know I've seen it with my own two eyes. I've experienced it in my own body. I'm praying for some more healing right now. I'm praying that I would wake up one morning and some angel would come and just have chopped all this off. It'd be gone. <laughs> just have a six pack. Come on, y'all. That'd be a miracle right there. I've got, a, I've got some stuff going on with my hip. I, they think I might have torn a labrum. So I'm going to go through the medical process. But I'm going to tell you what. Until there is no opportunity for a miracle, I'm going to keep believing for a miracle. So I've got to go get an MRI, and I'm just believing that I'm going to get on the table, and I'm going to get in that little tube, and while I'm having a claustrophobic panic attack, God is also going to be healing my hip. <laughs> and they'll be like, dude, you're fine, and I'm not going to have pain anymore. But if that doesn't happen, then I'll go through the, the, the medical process. Here's what I'm sure of. I am 100% guaranteed healing. If not in this body, there's another one coming. Because the Bible teaches one day we will, we will be in eternity with Jesus in a glorified body. Come on, y'all. I cannot wait to have a six-pack. I'm just, I'm so sure of it. I know my, my glorified body is going to be hot can't wait. Come on, ugly people rejoice, right? We got, there's hope for us.
Wouldn't you like to experience God's power? Wouldn't you like to see God's power be more of like a normal thing and not such a rare exception? I think that's directly tied to uh, whether or not we just act on it and believe for it and have faith for it. I don't think God does less stuff. I just think we're asking less. I don't think he has less power available. I just think we haven't asked for it as often. And I'm going to tell you, in the society we live in right now and where the world is headed, you better have a demonstration of God's power. About the only thing anybody's going to pay attention to. Right? Like you walk into this room with all your preconceived ideas and notions, but then all of a sudden the presence of God just slaps you upside the head and you feel something you had never felt before. I can, I can preach terrible. It won't matter. You'll be like, what was that? Why am I crying? Why am I feeling overwhelmed? I had a friend come to me that I prayed for recently. He's like, hey, how come I'm shaking like a kid with a fever? I'm like, that's just the power of God. Your body can't handle it. But you're never going to forget that. You're going to know forever how real he was to you in that moment. Right? Y'all with me? So um, on the count of three, you're all going to shake like kids with no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I, just, I grew up in this weird, charismatic, Pentecostal environment, and I, I have to laugh at it sometimes, all right? I just, I have to laugh at it sometimes. Okay, so. Power. I want some power. Y'all want some power? Y'all, I grew up in the, um, I, I know he's a controversial figure, so email me, whatever. But I grew up in the, um, the Tim Allen era with that TV show. Come on, y'all. What's the name of it? Home improvement, that's right. Come on. Y'all remember, what was Tim's thing? More? Just totally masculine machismo nonsense. Y'all remember Wilson? You never saw his face. Used to love that show. More power. You know, Tim didn't need to hotwire all his tools. He just needed to meet Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, there, how many know there's more power available to us? There's more power available to us. And I want to give you just a quick formula. This is how we're going to wrap up today. Hopefully, I've adequately shown you in Scripture this is available to you. All right? And I'm going to show you one more Scripture to try to seal the deal on that. And then we're going to look at one person, uh, one miracle that took place in the New Testament that I think we can learn from. All right? So one last one. John 14, 12. I tell you the truth, anyone. So that's you. That's me. Anyone who has faith in me will do, Jesus says, what I have been doing. Well, what was he doing? He's casting out demons. He's healing people of leprosy. He's opening blind eyes. He's opening deaf ears. The, the crippled and the maimed are walking. He says, anyone who has faith in me is going to do what I've been doing. He, he'll even do greater things than these, which most theologians believe is a reference to what you and I get to participate in today, which is welcoming people into the family of God, salvation. Like Jesus actually didn't spend a lot of time doing that himself, but we get to. We get to grow the family. Isn't that awesome? It's pretty cool. 
Because I, he says, I'm going to the Father, and I'm going to do whatever you ask. I'm not saying it. Jesus said it. Whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. That's the stipulation. It can't be about me or look at me or how awesome I am. It's, it's, it's not about that. It's always about bringing glory to the Father. And you may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Love that. One more, Acts 10, 38, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth because he said you're gonna do the things I did and more. Well, what did he do? He anointed him with Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good. So if you're not sure, how do I demonstrate God's power in my life? Start by doing good. Just be nice. Um, one of the statistical reasons why people left our churches, y'all, is we got super political, which we didn't at True Life. And some left because we didn't. I had people be like, you're not saying enough about this. And then the people on the other side were like, you're not saying enough about this. And I'm like, yeah, because I'm not supposed to. I'm supposed to lead people to Jesus. So y'all can run in your crazy lanes. I'm going to lead people to Jesus. That's my, that's my calling. I'm going to stay in my lane. What was I talking about? I don't know why I got on that soapbox. Yeah, healing. Well, the whole, the whole service is on power, so thank you guys. That was your... <laughs> <laughs> then Jesus went around doing good. Oh, yeah, so do good. That's what I was talking about. Do good. Just be nice. You could start there. That's one of the reasons why people, I was saying one of the reasons why people left churches. And healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So Jesus says, you're going to do that and more, for God was with him. So there's this cool story in Luke where I think we can learn from one of the people who received a miracle, all right? Now I'm going to hurry. I'm going to do this in about, I'm going to try to do this in about five minutes I'm going to try to give you just uh, five practical things you can do when you're praying and asking God for a miracle that I think we can learn from somebody who got a miracle. Uh, this is not Bible college. I can't give you a two-hour lecture. This is not exhaustive, all right? But I, I think it's something we can take today and learn because um, if you're not embarrassed by it, quick show of hands, how many of y'all could use a miracle? Yeah, pretty much everybody, right? All right, so let's, uh, let's learn from somebody who got a miracle. Luke Chapter 18, verse 35, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. So here's this guy, he can't see anything. He hears the crowd, hey, hey, what's, what's going on? They told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by. And I, I want you to see what he does. The instant he knows, he hears Jesus has kind of been nearby. So he began shouting, Jesus, Jesus, hey, hey, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Is it annoying yet? Because the Bible says he was getting on people's nerves. Like I was watching the, uh, the, the Braves game last night, the, the World Series. Anybody else watch the, the World Series last night? I saw I was watching the, the, um, the Braves game, and um, I know it's controversial, but they do, the, they do the tomahawk thing. They do the tomahawk chop at, at, um, at the Braves games. And um, so they're doing that, right? And I don't know if you caught this on the broadcast, but every time they do that, in between, there's somebody in the crowd with a whistle. And they have taken it upon themselves to be the tomahawk chant leader. 
right? So the, the, the stadium media people, they show the video, they crank the, the music and the drum beat to get the crowd going at key moments in the game. And so people are like, oh, they're doing their thing, right? And then like halfway through it, you would hear the self-proclaimed chant leader with his little whistle. He'd be like, tweet, 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 tweet. And then people would keep going, oh, right? I was like, oh, that's cool. Somebody got themselves a whistle. That's nice. But then as the game went on, like Whistle Dude decided he wasn't going to wait for the stadium crew. He's going to try to start the chant at random moments anytime that he feels like it. So you're like in the middle of the game, you know, Braves are pitching, which is not typically when the hometown crowd gets as noisy. And you hear like Whistle Guy like, tweet, tweet. Tweet, tweet, tweet. And like three people would be like, oh, oh, nobody's doing it with us. Okay, never mind. And the longer the game goes on, the more intense whistle dude gets. To the point where literally I'm watching the broadcast. I'm laying in bed. Amanda's asleep. I've got my headphones on. And I'm to the point where I'm like, if somebody would just please point the microphone somewhere else or take the whistle. Take it. It's driving me crazy. Because he's just constantly trying to get people to do the chant. It's dry. I can, you can kind of, like, I'm pretty sure if people were sitting around him in the stadium, they're like, oh. Just constant with the whistle, constant with the whistle. The, and the blind beggar. He's like, Jesus, 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 son of David, have mercy on me, Jesus. To the point that people are like, hey, dude, shush. You're bothering us. You're driving everybody crazy. Isn't it interesting how we can have a relationship with the miracle worker and still be bothered by the one who needs a miracle? What is it with us? How can we be so selfish? But they were. They're like, be quiet. The people in front yelled at him. But he only shouted louder. Tweet, tweet. Tweet, 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 tweet. <laughs> Son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped. Can I just tell you this morning, got some good news for you. When you're shouting for Jesus, he stops. When he hears you, he stops. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. As the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And Lord, he said, I want to see. And a Ray Bolt song was born. There's like three of you who have any idea what I'm talking about right now. Old Christian singer who did this song. I want to see. It's, you can Google it later. And Jesus said, all right, you got it. Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus praising God. And all who were super annoyed with him a minute ago, Isn't that interesting? Can I just encourage you, if you're seeking God for a miracle right now, don't worry about what the crowd is saying. It might just be that your miracle is the thing that they need to turn their heart from skepticism to praise. They praise God too. So they went from like annoyed to like, let's have church. All right, so I think there's five things we can learn from the blind beggar. You ready? 
write them down if you're following along on your phone. Here's the first one. Number one, just be passionate. He shouted, Jesus! Jesus! Hey, be quiet. Jesus! He shouted. Can I have an honest, transparent moment with you this morning? Kind of tired of uninspired, half-hearted prayers with limited expectations. I kind of got in my friend's face recently. I had a friend who was launching a church, planting a church, and their launch Sunday was coming up, and I said, tell, tell me what's, what's your, how you doing, man? You ready for the weekend? And he said, man, I honestly, after COVID and everything, I'll be happy, I'll just be happy if 100 people show up. And I said, what? Seriously, bro? You got an auditorium that'll seat 1,000, and you're asking God for 100? Half-heartedly? Nah. I said, I, I hate that for your city which has way more than 100 people who need Jesus. Let's ask for more. Let's believe for more. And if you don't have enough faith for it right now, you can have some of mine. Like, let's ask for more. Let's trust God for more. I think we need to come to God with passion and expectation. Can I get an amen this morning? Be passionate. If you're going to come to God with a miracle, don't, don't be like, uh, I mean, I guess, God, like, I mean, you know, I don't want to bother you. No, 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 no. Passionate. Passionate. My kids want something. They come to their dad. Daddy, can I, can I have something to eat? Or you just ate like 10 minutes ago. Yeah, I'm hungry. Can I have something to eat? Like, they're not like, I mean, you know, I mean, I'd, I guess I would eat if you gave me something. No, they're like, I want to eat. I'm hungry. There's, there's passion. Y'all tracking with me this morning. And God said through Jeremiah, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Be passionate. The blind beggar was passionate. He got his miracle because he was passionate. Number two, the blind beggar was persistent. Jesus, 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 son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, hey Jesus, Jesus, are you out there? Jesus, can you hear me? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Would you tell that guy to shut up? He ain't gonna shut up. He wants Jesus. And then, Luke 18, one through eight, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Sorry, we didn't put the space there. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought, and, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea. Grant me justice against my adversary for some time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, and I don't care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. So basically, the judge is like, hey, she's crazy. We better handle this. She's not going to leave me alone. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? So he's saying, if an unjust judge would respond to, per, to persistence, wouldn't your just father respond to persistence? Who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he'll see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I thought that was really interesting that Jesus ends this parable with this question. 
Like, am I going to find faith on the earth? And so I, I dug a little deeper on this, and the word faith here in the Greek is not the word faith like we typically see it. It actually translates almost perfectly to the word confidence. So I think Jesus is saying like, hey, if I came and inspected you, True Life Church, am I going to find a bunch of people who have the confidence to keep asking God for stuff because they believe he's going to do it for them? Are you confident? Are you confident that God loves you? Are you confident that God knows what you're going through right now? Are you confident that he cares about what you're walking through right now? Are you confident that the same power that brought him out of the grave is alive in you today? That the same miracle working power that resurrected Jesus is available to you right now? How's our confidence level today, True Life? Confident. Be passionate. Be persistent. Number three, be precise. Jesus says, hey, what do you want? He says, I want to see. I want to see. He's very clear. I'm blind. I don't want to be blind anymore. And I want to encourage you, when you're asking God for a miracle, be precise. Be precise. Well, I just want my whole family to serve Jesus. Okay, which ones don't? Well, you know, a couple of my kids. Which kids? What's their names? When you go to God asking for a miracle, God, I am praying for, boom, say the name. I'm praying that they would have an encounter with you. That they would understand that God loves them and wants relationship with them. I'm asking you to put me in every situation in a, in a, in a position where I can be a, someone who conveys your love and your mercy and your grace. Be precise. Be specific. If you're praying for healing, don't just be like, God, would you heal me? No, no, no. God, would you put this, if this thing's torn, would you put it back? You designed it. It's your body. You came up with the idea, you know it better than anybody else. Would you put it back the way it's supposed to be? God, my emotional and my mental health haven't been great lately. Would you help me rewire my brain? Would you help me get the serotonin levels right? Would you get the chemical responses going on the way they're supposed to be up here? I'll, I'll go talk to a doctor. I'll, I'll do what they tell me to if that's what I need to, but I'd love it if the great physician would visit with me first. Be precise. James says, you don't have because you don't ask. And this is the temptation of our super developed Western society is we go everywhere else first and then we go to God. I'm just telling you, go to God first and then if he wants to use everything else on the earth to heal you, that's fine. But let's go to him first. Amen? Number four, be positive. I think the beggar knew, if I get his attention, he's going to heal me. If I can get his attention, he's going to heal me. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus says, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe. Come on, say believe. Believe, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And number five, be praiseful. I don't know if that's actually a word, but I was trying to make everything start with P. Just go on and praise him as if it's already happened. Like, I thanked God today, already, for people who are gonna meet Jesus today. I don't know who they are, but I've, I've, I've asked God for the miracle of salvation to take place in our church services today, and I believe him for it. And so I already praised him for it. I already said, thank you, God. Thank you for what you're gonna do. Thank you that you're gonna use me, that you're gonna speak through me. 
Thank you that you're going to show up in this house and people are going to have an encounter with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's just an attitude. I'm just, I'm just going to stay thankful for the miracle even before the miracle happens. You know, I've been thinking about Christmas is coming up. Let me show you the scripture real quick. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with what? Thanksgiving, present your request to God. I, I've been thinking about Christmas and, and, and we, we probably go a little overboard in our house. And I was thinking, what would it be like if my kids started thanking me for Christmas before Christmas? What if they started coming to me and they're like, mom and my wife, what if they're like, mom and dad, you guys just always crush it at Christmas. We can't wait. It's going to be so amazing. Thank you already. Thank you in advance. We're so excited for Christmas. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know what I would do? Well, there at school, I'd be with my wife being like, we need to get some more stuff. Because they're already thanking us. Like their, their expectations. And I think we've already done pretty well. My daughter was in the first service, so I'm anxious to see what happens now. <laughs> I wonder what our heavenly, I wonder what would be activated in our heavenly father's heart if his kids would start thanking him for gifts they haven't gotten yet. I wonder if he'd be like, hey, hey angels, come here. Hey, Jesus, you hear? Like, we haven't even done that yet. They're already thanking us. We better, you know what? We better do that and some more. Let's go. Come on, let's go give let's go take the miracle. Let's go, let's go deliver the miracle to them. Because the power of God is available to you right now. Right now. So be passionate. Be passionate. Be persistent. Be precise. Be positive. Trust God that He's going to deliver what you're asking for. And go ahead and praise Him. Go ahead and thank him for it ahead of time. Let's stand to our feet all across the room. Let's practice this. Because a bunch of you raised your hands earlier and said, I got a miracle. I need a miracle. There's a miracle I need. I, I just want, let's just take 10 seconds. 10 seconds. And I want you just, I want you to put your hands together. I want you to shout. I want you to lift your voice. I just want you to take 10 seconds and thank God for the miracle. Just praise him. Just say, hey God, thank you. I'm gonna count to three in just 10 seconds. We're not gonna get all weird, all right? Pro I promise. But you'd shout if your team scored a touchdown. You got an organ on there? I'm just, I'm just kidding. All right, so ready? One, two, three. Come on, let's thank him. One, two, three, four, five, six. Come on, seven, eight, nine, ten. Come on, let's thank him. Thank him for the miracle. Thank him for the miracle. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me. There's two miracles, two sets of miracles I ask God for today. The first one is the miracle of salvation, that people who don't know God would leave today knowing God. And if you don't know him, and you know that needs to change right now, whether you're in person or watching online, I, I think there's something about doing something physically with our bodies sometimes to kind of cement in our heart the decision we're making. So I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. But even if you're watching online at home, I know I can't see you, but I want you to do this anyway. If you'd say, hey, Michael, I need to know God. I want to know him. I need relationship with him. 
I want him to be Lord and Savior of my life beginning today. Real quick, just, just raise your hand. Just wave your hand at me. I just want to see that you're in the room. Just lift it up real quick. Anybody? Anybody else? Good job. If you're watching online at home, I know I can't see you, but you raise your hand too. I want to know God today. I want to know God today. Just wait another second. Anybody else? Just wave your hand at me. I want to know Him. Okay. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm going to help you with the words. Just say, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. I give my life to you. Thank you for allowing me into the family. From this day on, I want to walk with you, side by side with you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you for the power. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. I know I already had you do this, but I want want to do it right now because I'm going to pray for you. This isn't going to be weird or spooky, but I know anything's possible when God's in the room. So if you'd say, hey, Michael, I need a miracle. I want you to lift your hand. I need healing. I need something in my body. I need a relationship put back together. I need a miracle in my marriage. I need a miracle in my family. I've got kids who don't serve Jesus. Just put your hand. Leave it up. In fact, if you're comfortable with it, I'd love it if you'd lift the other hand with it just in surrender to God. I know that may not be comfortable for you, so don't do it if you don't want to. And the power of God is in this room right now. He's here. He's here. So Heavenly Father, we come before you as your kids, passionate about your power. God, there are some specific needs represented in this room today, and we're asking for miracles. Anything's possible when you're here. So we pray for families that are torn apart, that they would be restored in Jesus' name, and it would begin today. We pray for family members who are far from you, God, that the miracle of salvation would take place, that they would be drawn to you by your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. We pray for mental health today, God. Some of us have some serious things going on in our mind. I pray for supernatural miracles in our minds today. I pray for emotional healing today. God, I pray that tumors would disappear from bodies right now in Jesus' name. I pray that medical diagnosis would change right now in Jesus' name. You are the great physician. You designed these bodies. You know them better than anyone else. We ask for the miracle. We ask for the miracle in Jesus' name, in passion, in persistence. We're being specific and precise, God. Just like you healed the blind beggar that day, you can heal us. And we believe you for it. We're hopeful for it. And we thank you for it before it even happens. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said? Amen. Come on, let's thank him. Let's thank him for the miracles in Jesus' name. Come on, thank him. Thank him like he did it.